Turn with me in your Bibles to John, the 15th chapter. We're starting at verse 9. God is good, amen. His presence feels good in this place this morning. And I believe that in the next few moments of time, God is going to do some really cool things. I believe God's going to meet us here today. I believe that God's going to demonstrate Himself here today. And I've come to preach to somebody this morning who feels like it's over. Who doesn't know what to do next. Who doesn't know where to go next. This message is for you. This person who feels unlovable. This message today is for you. John chapter 15 and verse 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth His love toward us. For the next few minutes this morning, I want to preach on three very simple words. Jesus loves you. Why don't you just look at somebody next to you and say, Jesus loves you. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Jesus loves you. It's a song that I'm, I'm sure most of you in this room today would know. Um, I'm, I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to sing it. Now, I can, I can carry a tune in a bucket, but the problem is my bucket has a leak in the bottom of it. So I'm going to spare you that today. But in case you've forgotten the words to this song, let me just remind you that they go something like this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong, they are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. These words were written by a woman by the name of Anna Bartlett Warner in the year of 1860. Originally, they were a part of a poem in a novel called Say and Seal, authored by her sister Susan Warner, in which the words were spoken as a comfort to a dying child. However, it wouldn't be until 1862 that a tune would be added by one Mr. William Bradbury, who also added his own chorus of, Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. After the publication of the song, it spread like wildfire across the country and the world, quickly becoming one of the favorite hymns of churches everywhere. And I've come here today to Winterville, Georgia, to make a bold announcement that the words that were written in 1860 and 1862 still ring true in 2023. 162 years later, and Jesus still loves you. When you were at your lowest, He loved you. When you were unlovable, He loved you. His grace and mercy have reached into this house today, and He's walking down these aisles ready to meet you where you are. Jesus loves you. If you believe that, say amen. I've not come today to preach a profound sermon to you. 
I have not come with a word that will require you to lock yourself in a room of study for months and years. I have come today with the most basic yet most profound and incontestable truth, and that is Jesus loves you. I want to encourage somebody today that Jesus loves you no matter what you've done. I want to encourage you He loves you no matter what you've been through. He loves you no matter what you did before you walked into this place this morning. I don't care if you lit up a joint in the parking lot. I don't care if you were blacked out last night. Jesus loves you. All that matters is that you found yourself in a church this morning. Now His love is not a license to sin, but His love is a Savior from sin. And that love is not exclusive. That love is not conditional. And His love is not withheld. But His love is free. His love is accessible. And His love is for you. He is the God of the just and He is the God of the unjust. He is the God of the saint, but He is also the God of the sinner. He is the God of the righteous and the unrighteous. The God of the strong and the weak. He is the God in my struggle. He is the God of second, third, fourth, fifth, five hundredth chances. He is the God in the good times and He is the God in the bad times. He's the God on the mountain and He is the God in the valley. That's why the psalmist could say in Psalm 139 and 8, If I ascend into heaven, Thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, Thou art there. Wherever you are at, I want you to know He has already been there. All throughout your Bible, it is riddled with moments where His love was displayed. Moments where, according to the law, a person should have been severely punished, some even to the point of death. But Jesus, with compassion and mercy in His heart, looked on those people undeserving of compassion and mercy and with love said, You are made whole. Go and sin no more. That's you. That's me. That is us. And the Lord says to you today, I know you've made mistakes. I know you've messed up, but I am the spotless Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world who has come to wash you with my blood that has flowed from Calvary's mountain. He is here today to forgive sins. He's here today to forgive and to take away all those things that have plagued you. Those things that have hurt you, that have hindered you, that have separated you from Him, that have haunted you in the middle of the night. He is here to take those away today. That same redeeming power of the blood that worked then still works now. There is power in the blood. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. All it takes for you to receive your blessing, for you to receive your breakthrough, for you to receive your healing, is to simply call upon the name of the Lord. That's why Paul would say in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13, For, whatso, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, Jesus loves you. I will say it again and again. Jesus loves you. I don't have anything more profound than what I'm saying right now. Jesus loves you in spite of your failures, despite your downfalls, despite your weaknesses. 
Jesus loves you even though you're broken. He loves you so much that He was willing to step out of eternity into time. To step out of His heavenly garment and take on a garment of flesh. He was willing to leave eternity. To step into this broken world so that we might have the opportunity at salvation and so that He could heal the brokenness and fill the void in your life. But you may say, preacher, I've done so much in my life. I've made too many mistakes. How could Jesus ever love me? That's a great question. Let me tell you how He can love you. On the sixth day of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27, the Scripture says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He them, male and female, He created them. You are the very image of God. When He sees you, He sees past the sin and He sees the saint. And God is calling today to those who may have walked away, those who have made a wrong turn on their path to heaven. And He's calling and saying, it is time to come home. You may have made some mistakes. You haven't been living how you should. You may have made some wrong turns. You've been some places you shouldn't have been. You've done some things you shouldn't have done and aren't proud of. But I am here to tell you that Jesus loves you. I'm not here today to put you in hell, but Jesus is here to pull you out. This is a day of healing. This is a day of redemption. This is a day that you will be set free. This is the day you take authority and claim victory over the things you've been fighting. Romans 8.37, Paul said, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in this world. There is no power of darkness. There is no circumstance that can stop the love of Jesus from reaching you where you are right now. Jesus loves you, and He is for you. If you believe that, say amen. amen. David was one of the most prominent characters in your Bible. We talk about him. We talk about all the good he did, his victories, his triumphs. He was legendary. He was a lion killer. He was a bear killer. He was a giant killer. But most importantly, he was a man after God's own heart. But even though David was the hero, David was not perfect. He did not always make decisions that were the best. What you have to understand is that David was an adulterer. David was a murderer. He made mistakes. He had failures. He had shortcomings. He was imperfect and he was broken. And he had made a mess out of his life due to poor decisions. By all accounts, he was unqualified but let's go back in time just a little bit before any of this took place before he was a victor before he was a legend before he was the one who little boys dreamed of growing up to be like before he was a champion before any of that David was a servant he was the king's servant he served at the pleasure of the king and he was faithful. Everything he did, 
he did to please the king. Every thought from the moment he woke up until he went to bed is how can I serve the king better today? However, we find in 1 Samuel that he was on the run from Saul, the king who David had served so faithfully. The very king whose son was David's very best friend. But Saul had gotten bitter towards David. It absolutely infuriated Saul when he heard David's name being chanted in the street. It vexed Saul to hear the great crowds of people singing that Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul became so angry that one day while David was just serving, while David was just doing what he knew to do, while he was just playing the harp trying to bring some comfort to his king, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 18 and 11, And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. 18.12, And Saul was afraid of David, watch this, because the Lord was with him. And the Lord was departed from Saul. Up until this point, David had been nothing but faithful. He had served. He had given of himself. He was always on time. He always made the right decisions. He did nothing but use his gifts to comfort the king. He did everything right. And even though Saul wanted to kill David, God would not allow it. And I'm preaching to somebody who has walked into this place this morning and it feels like hell has encamped herself all around you and is ready to kill you. Saul has his spear drawn, ready to cast it at you, but God says no because He stands in the gap for you today and goes before you into battle and fights your enemy on your behalf all because Jesus loves you. And we find David, he has escaped the king and just a few chapters later he has escaped to this cave called Adullam. And he was joined there by 400 men who the Bible says were debtors, they were distressed, and they were discontented. And it's possible, it is entirely reasonable that as David sat in this cold, dark cave that he questioned God. That he said, God, have I not been faithful to you? Have I not followed you? Have I not been just? Have I not served the king? And while David was throwing a pity party for himself, the prophet Gad came to him. And look what the prophet says in 1 Samuel 22, 5. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold. Depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Hereth. He was in a slump. He was cast down. Everything he had known had been stripped away. He had gone from the castle to the cave. The man who he served for years with faithfulness was now trying to kill him and had the entire force of armies behind him. And David only had 400 men. His life was a mess and it seemed like there was no hope for reconciliation. But there are some things that can only come together in the cave when you are alone and you don't know where else to go. And you say, God, I need you. And God says, now that you know I'm what you need, I can give you what you don't even know to pray for. You've got to get desperate. 
You've got to open your mouth and get real with God. It might look like debt. It might look like disorientation and discontent. But those were David's mighty men in disguise. I'm telling you, a little boy's lunch is all you need when God's hand is on it. Whatever you need, God has it today. You are not stuck. It's not over. Saul can't kill you. And you're not alone because Jesus loves you. If you believe that, why don't you put your hands together all across this house? Why don't you praise Him for a moment? I think it's okay if we break the routine of church. You don't have to wait for me to get done. You can do what you got to do. Come on. If God's been good to you, why don't you lift up a praise right now? You may be down, but you are not out. You may be beat half to death, but you're not dead. You still have breath in your lungs. In due season, you shall reap if you faint not. prophet Gad told David, depart and get into the land of Judah. Judah represents praise. We are a people of praise. When we don't know what to do, we praise. God, I praise you. I know I don't have any groceries in my pantry, but God, I praise you. God, I know I don't have any money for rent this month but I praise you. God, I know I, 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 can't make, I can't make rent. I can't make my bills this month. I, I don't have anything to eat. I just lost my job. My family's going crazy. But God, I praise you. He is greater than whatever life situation you're facing today. He is greater than any issue you encounter. He is greater than any trial you have. For He is Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider. He is a way maker. Understand that you can trust this Lord because it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. One preacher said it like this, No means of measure can define His limitless love and no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supply. You can trust Him. No barrier can hinder Him from pouring out a blessing in your life. Death couldn't stop Him and the grave couldn't hold Him. He does not call for help and you can't confuse Him. He doesn't need you and He does not need me. He stands alone in the solitude of Himself. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is eternally steadfast. He is graceful, all-powerful. He is merciful. He is the greatest phenomenon to ever cross the horizon of this world. He is the Son of God. He is the sinner's Savior. He is unparalleled, unprecedented. He is supreme. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is omnipotent. He heals the sick come on somebody you're not hearing me this morning he cleansed the leper he delivers the captive he is holy he is full of glory he is the prince of princes he is the king of kings and he is the lord of lords he is Jesus and Jesus loves you Mark chapter 16 and verse 7 but go your way 
and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said to you. This is just after Jesus has raised from the dead. Mary Magdalene and the mother of Jesus were on the way to the tomb to anoint his body with sweet spices. And keep in mind, at this point, Jesus had been gone for three days. He was dead for three days. The disciples had separated and scattered. But when Jesus showed up, he said, Go tell my disciples and go tell Peter. That phrasing is important and it raises a question. If you're reading this, why would he say, Tell my disciples and Peter if Peter was a disciple? The reason that he said, and Peter is this. Jesus wanted Peter to know. Peter, even though you have messed up, even though you denied me three times, even though you denied every experience of the last three years, Peter, I want you to know I still love you and there is still a purpose for you. And what do you think about this? It was 50 days later that Peter would preach Pentecost. It was 50 days after he denied the Lord who he had walked with that he would preach the greatest revival service this world has ever seen. It does not matter what you have done. God can still use you. You do have a ministry. You do have a calling. You do have purpose. You do have destiny. You do have a reason to be here. You are valuable. You are worth something. You are precious. You are not invisible. You are seen and you are loved. You are not finished and it is not over. Because when God is in it, all things are new. It doesn't matter the lies they said about you. It doesn't matter the abuse you endured. It doesn't matter the pain you suffered. Because you are no less valuable because of what somebody else did to you. You are not broken because of what somebody else did to you. You are not defective. You are not useless. And you are not worthless. But let me tell you what you are. You are a child of God. And you are loved. Jesus loves you. Brother Cade put up Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 4. In the English Standard Version, please. The Scripture says, and the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. The God of the Old Testament... And Jesus Christ in the New Testament, the message is the same. Jesus loves you as we stand all across this house this morning. Musicians, make your way. 
You don't have to live life fearful. You don't have to walk around anxious and afraid and on edge. You don't have to live a life filled with condemnation. That's why Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Landon, you don't understand. I know I'm free through Him. I know I'm not chained to my sin anymore. But I can't shake the guilt. I can't shake the condemnation. I can't get the voices that tell me I'm going to do it again out of my head. First of all, if God sets you free, you're free. End of story. The devil has no power over you and those voices have no power over you. And if you aren't free, good news, today is your day. The devil is a liar and you can make it. You do have what it takes. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. It was His love that set you free. It was His love that broke the chains. It was His love that saved your life that night when you should have died. It was His love that stepped in and intervened when it should have all been over. It was His love that stepped in when the outcome was set. It was His love that broke the curse and it was His love that brought you to this place today. And it is His love that you feel reaching for you right now. Wherever you are and whatever you need. He loves you so much. He died on a cross for you. And He died on a cross for me. And He died on that cross for every person who ever has or whoever will live. He was mocked. And He was ridiculed. He was beaten. He was whipped. Those those scars on His back were for me. They were for you. He was bruised and bloodied. His body destroyed. His hands and feet pierced with nails. His head adorned with a crown of thorns. That man sacrificed. He stood in. He took our place. Not because He had to. Because He didn't. But because He loved us so much that He could not imagine an eternity separated from you. He hung on that cross that bore my name. That bore your name. That bore our name. So that we might have the chance at salvation. There's an old song. It's one of my favorites. An old hymn. And the words say, the look of love upon His face, thorns were on His head. The blood was on His scarlet robe, stained a crimson red. Through his eye, Though His eyes were on the crowd that day, He looked ahead in time. For while He was on the cross, I was on His mind. The song goes on and it says, He knew me, yet He loved me. He whose glory makes the heavens shine. I'm so unworthy of such mercy. Yet while He was on the cross, I was on His mind. Greater love hath no one than this, than a man who would lay down his life for a friend. He is no respecter of persons. He loves everybody, regardless of skin color, regardless of what's in your bank account. 
regardless of your last name, regardless of your choices. Even when you don't choose Him, He still chooses you. Even when you walk away, He runs towards you. Even when you hurt Him in spite of all of that, He loves you. I'll quickly close with this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you would appease me for just a moment and just go with me. If I could change that verse ever so slightly and read it from what I like to call the LJK version. Okay, put that on the screen for me. I think it would go something like this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the love that He had for us endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friend, I have come this morning with three very simple yet very powerful words. Jesus loves you. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning. I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know the problems that you're facing in your life. But what I do know is that Jesus loves you. And He's here today to meet your need. He's here to mend your broken heart. He is here to heal you of whatever sickness you have. He's here today to restore broken marriages. He's here to bring emotional healing today. He's here to do whatever it is that you need Him to do. All it takes is in this moment is one act of faith to step out from where you are and come to this altar and meet Him here at this place. And I promise you, you can take my word to the bank. If you'll meet Him here, He will meet you here. So I want to invite you this morning. If you've got some things in your life that you don't know what to do, if you feel broken, if you feel downcast, I want to invite you to this altar with me this morning. I want to invite you to have a few moments with the King. I want to invite you to meet with the One who loves you enough to give His life for you. I have nothing else to say this morning other than He loves you. I don't have the answers to your problems, but He does. And He's here and He is for you. Jesus loves you you.